All right, you ready? What are you going to do? Oh, we're singing now. Amigos, God is your friend. He's always be my friend. Amigos, God, that means that love will never end. Friends for life, not just a summer or a spring. Amigos, God is your Progressive Rugby League. Friends, it's the Progressive Rugby League podcast and it's our final episode of the season and what a way to finish a week of the most consequential rugby league imaginable, including a potential game changer for the sport in the Northern Hemisphere. Can't wait to get stuck in. And joining me, with his sleeves rolled up and sweat poised upon his brow, ready for one heroic weapon, is my good friend Big Al. Hello, sir. Hello, here we are. This is the the last hit-up in the set of it 2019, is. and I've pumped up. I've, I've found another gear. Oh. The coaches asked me to find another gear, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm ready. Wet sail stuff. Big Al. Yes. Was it just me, or did you hear an eerily familiar baritone as we nailed an inspirational rendition of Amigos para Siempre by Sarah Brightman and Jose Carreras. I did, but I thought your, ventri- your, your ventriloquism lessons were really paying off. Well, you are correct. We are thrilled to have Progressive Rugby League original and co-founder and the guy that got this whole show off the ground, the man himself, the slug, joining us. Welcome back, mate. Great to see you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me on your show, guys. Now, <laughs> <laughs> slug, barely a week goes by where I don't have someone come up to me and say, Jono, love the show. Where's Slug? Or, Jono, hate the show, where's Slug? <laughs> Common theme being, where's Slug? Where the hell have you been? Uh, well, I think it's a little bit like the chef whose partner would like them to cook dinner yeah. when they come home. I I had some podcast producing to do elsewhere. Whoa. And there was just, it was just a bit too much. But you know what? I think... Well, let's tell the story, all right? Okay. So, so back uh, before the podcast started, you you know would catch up pretty regularly, and um, I would enjoy listening to your progressive takes on rugby league. And then, you know, I said, well, this could be a podcast. <laughs> But you guys hadn't done any of that before. So, you know, essentially it was me giving your views a vehicle oh. and, and helping get that down in audio recording. After a while, I became fairly redundant because... Oh, don't say that. That's because not true. No, John has taken his technical skills uh, to a new level here. You know, I mean, to yeah, A-level. That's right. <laughs> so but anyway, yeah, point being, yeah, I, I had to go off and do other stuff. And my boys grew up. Yeah, my boys grew up. Well, it's kind of like you helped us through the training wheels stage, and then when we sort of got our balance, you're like, "Go get us, go, son!" I really appreciate it. Great to see you again, Slug. It's great to have you back. I'm sure our listeners will be thrilled. Yes, uh, can I just say I also think heroic wiping when I think of Big Al. So (laughs) (laughs) there is a little bead of sweat upon his brow. Hey, fellas, let's talk some rugby league. Obviously, some massive games over the weekend, but I want to start with what I think by far was the most consequential of them all, particularly in light of the result. And that was the championship playoff, the million-pound game, Mm. Toronto Wolfpack taking the biscuits, including those nice creamy ones, with a win over Featherston Rovers, but not before an almighty struggle. Big Al, what a result. How did you cope with this 80 minutes of tension? This was a really, really tough game for me to watch because, one, it was quite early on a Saturday morning. So You're not a morning person. I'm I'm a morning person after about 7.30. Before then, I'm probably not. That means you're not a morning person. But the Saturday, I'm not a dawn person. So the Saturday, 5 a.m., the Saturday after the Friday night of a long weekend, it's always going to be a bit of a tough to get. Anyway, but I got up, of course, because I've got got a duty. My duty is to make sure that this game is seen and witnessed. Mm. You can't call them sweet babies all year and not get up and watch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can't accept the baby cry. Go up and attend to it every now and then. Anyway, so I got up and watched it, and everyone sort of is a fait accompli, right? Like the Wolfpack are going to beat Featherston and make the Super League, but it didn't look like it was going to happen that way for a mm. good 
I don't know, 50, 60 minutes, I think. Featherston were outstanding in, were. in terms of defence. The Wolfpack were great. They had wave after wave of attack. I think they probably were a bit disjointed sometimes. My um, insight was they're either passing too early, too late, or not at all. When mm. They've always just done the thing that they didn't need to do when yep. they should, should have done the other thing, if that makes any sense. Pressure does that. Yeah, but oh, wow. like yeah, It was nerve-wracking with them. Once the Wolfpack started to get over them, I, I obviously relaxed and enjoyed like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. But it was an amazing mammoth effort from Featherston to push them to hold them out for as long as they did. This was a, an incredible result for the game of rugby league. I said at the top of the show that it's a potential game changer for the sport, and it is. But let's first just reflect on what they've achieved. Mm. In the space of a few years, Toronto Wolfpack have gone from non-existent to a few guys talking loftily about some crazy idea of starting a pro rugby league team in a North American city to play in the UK lower leagues, to actually getting it up and running, to making progress through the lower tiers, to building a significant and growing fan base and community of real-life, actual Canadians who have a real passion for the sport, to selling out their final home match of the season, and finally, to earning promotion to the European mm. and now Transatlantic Super League. It's pinch me stuff. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, they were, they were close last year. So what do you think, what are the small things they've improved on this year to make sure they went all the way? I know in an episode a couple of weeks ago, you said that they'd gotten rid of a bit of the grubbiness. Yeah, there's a, a bit, bit of that. Of the... I remember this time last year, Big Al, we reviewed Toronto's 2018 season after their loss to London, mm. and we suggested their lack of creativity yep. was right. the reason for their failure to gain promotion. So when the big game came last year and the defence was resolute, they just couldn't find a way to crack it. So then in the off-season, they addressed that. They signed a few good players with experience on how to prize open a defensive line. And it was those players, especially, I think, Joe Miller, John Wilkin. Oh, Joe Miller was outstanding, wasn't he? He stepped up when the game was in the balance. And, and yeah. that hair. Yeah. What a great mob. <laughs> it's, not, it's beautiful. It just tossles nicely, yeah. doesn't it? And they stayed calm and composed, and they chipped away. They kind of used a bit of subtlety, and ultimately they, ultimately they created enough opportunities for Toronto to get the job done. I mean, the game itself... Was, I thought it was high quality. Mm. It was super league, even NRL intensity. It was quite fast as well. Yeah, there was like I remember noting it. I was just writing things down as, as thoughts came to my head. Mm. But I think the first penalty wasn't until about 20 minutes into the game, yeah. which was refreshing. I go, you don't normally see that in the NRL, that's for sure. It was and it just action. seemed to be so fast, which is why, again, I thought Featherson did a great job because mm. you've got the Wolfpack, who are their full salary cap team of full-time professional athletes yeah. against Featherston as what, like a... Part-timers, a part, yeah. yeah. part like a, a town of, what, 15,000 you know, electricians and bakers and office workers and lawyers or whatever doing this on the weekend. Yeah, plenty of like, lawyers. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big legal town. <laughs> yeah, like what an effort to be to, to maintain that pace. Mm, and also just the physical toll of defending. Yeah. It was, again... And they absorbed so much pressure early on, actually finished the first half looking the stronger, and it looked like history was on the verge of repeating itself from last year's million-pound game. Toronto were doing their utmost, but the defence was holding, and you started to think... The defence could hold out for the entire 80, yeah. just like last year. But And, and when, when Featherston, because Featherston got the first try as well, mm. in really, yeah. I would say, somewhat disappointing fashion, because, from, sorry, sure. from a Toronto point of yeah. view, it disappointed. From Featherston point of view, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but like Liam Kay sort of seemed to lazily swat at a ball, sort of assuming it would go yeah. dead, <laughs> muff the whole thing up, and Featherston yeah. got a, a plucky try out of that. And when that happened, mm. I mean, it was early on in the game, but I was, I, I was getting really, really nervous. Yeah, look, for the Wolfpack, I think, like I said, Wilkin and Mella were really good. Josh McCrone, he, he schemed around the ruck pretty well. Yeah. Godwin Springer, the French international, was great off the bench. Blake Wallace off the bench as well with an important try. But huge credit has to go to Brian McDermott. You know, it's been a strange season off the field. We've spoken about that a bit. Mm. But he kept them focused on it. And in the end, they only lost one game to the great Toulouse Olympic. So promotion could not be more deserved. And the most exciting thing about it all, of course, is not what they've done, but what the Toronto Wolfpack could become. You get the sense that they're going to try to shake up this Super League thing. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they go on the player market. I mean, we've heard whispers of SBW or Val Holmes, <laughs> who knows. But, you know, whatever that happens, it's going to be very much worth watching. Yeah. So does this also mean that the Wolfpack, as part of their, like, as part of the administrative chucking it around mm. of them actually playing in the Super League, yeah. as part of the agreement of them, fine, if you get if you qualify promotion, I will actually promote you if you are you don't take part of this, um, the centralised funding yeah. of the Super League. So all Super League clubs actually get, what, 12% more funds now. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the genius of the whole Toronto Wolfpack show over the last few years, in that they provided an offer to rugby league authorities that they literally could not refuse even if they wanted to and many did so any potential whinge was dealt with sufficiently so like they're going to cost us money well we won't take any central funding from the tv deal so everyone else can get more 
oh, it's going to cost a mint to travel to and from Toronto. Well, we'll cover the costs. So, you know, <laughs> but what if it rains? <laughs> so you give a little credit to the RFL and Super League. I'm for, allergic to Bhutan. <laughs> you give a little credit to the RFL and Super League for making sure the I's were dotted, I suppose, and the T's were crossed. But really, no, but they, and not getting away too much. But really, it's all been the Wolfpack driving it. Yeah, of yeah. course. So, who's going down to make way for the Wolfpack going up? Well. Very well, good question. It's the London Broncos. It's and, the other baby. Uh, mm. As we know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we mourned their loss against Wakefield, and they'll be back in the championship against the likes of the great Toulouse Olympic and Featherston. It's going to be another cracking championship, but I think championship teams are now looking around and going, you know what? We can do this. Yeah. Uh, having Toronto there must have been a, a big blocker. So. And also now, we discussed this last week, Toronto are out of the way. Hopefully they'll stay up there, which mm. means the path is clear for Toulouse. Yeah, yeah. To, to... <laughs> exactly right. Now, it's true that Toronto had a great lineup, but it's also important to remember all the pressure was on them. And it was amplified because of what, what happened last year mm. and amplified even further by the feeling, as we've spoken about previously, Big Al, that the window to make this thing work wasn't very big at all. No. So at the end of the day, it was a hugely impressive performance, particularly considering that it looked like it was slipping away as they trailed into the second half. I saw Toronto's passage to the Super League as like a piece of steak with a 20% off still fresh sticker on it. And like if it had stuck around for another day, it was going. It off. was going. Look, and it was such a big game of consequence that I wanted to get a flavour of the occasion. Obviously, we couldn't be there. So I got in touch with someone who was and someone who joined us earlier in the year from Barrie, Ontario. He's Nicholas Mew, also known as New to Rugby League Family. And I started by asking him if it was time to change his moniker from New to Rugby League Family to something more along the lines of part of Rugby League Furniture. <laughs> I've actually thought of that, and, and I think you might be right on that one. But the thing is, we're also still very new compared to clubs that have 100 plus years. So even if I have 10 years in, I'll still be new to them forever, I think. So I, I'm of two minds about it. It's all relative, isn't it? Good point. Okay, Nicholas, can you start by telling us what was in your mind at stake in this match? It was much more than promotion or otherwise, wasn't it? Yes. For, for me personally, my view was if this game didn't go well for Toronto, if they didn't earn promotion, I didn't know, and I still don't know, what the future might be for the game itself in Canada. Not so much the direct support from the Wolfpack to the youth game, but more having a, pro- a professional team in the top league to emulate mm. so that if they weren't up there, would the owner say, you know what, we tried, we put a few years in on it, it didn't work out, thanks everybody, and then that would be the end of it. And if that was the case, I can't then go to kids and say, hey kids, look at this team, this is the sport I'm trying to get you guys into, what a fantastic sport it is, because without that model, it's very hard to to get people interested in it. Mm. The professional teams in North America, generally, when they start up in an area, a new area where the sport doesn't have a footprint, they drive interest at the amateur level. And I know for other people, that's a hard concept for them to grasp, because they're like, don't get a pro team in an area until you've got grassroots. Yeah. In North America, it goes the opposite way. Yeah. Now, Nicholas, how did the atmosphere compare to the other games you've attended? The, the stadium looked genuinely jam-packed. It looked unreal. It was the biggest crowd I've ever seen there. It was the same party atmosphere, only increased because of the numbers. Mm. On our bench, we kept having people come up and say, okay, you know, move down, move down, make room. There wasn't any room to give them. It was absolutely packed there. It, it, but it was still a fun atmosphere. It was still a friendly atmosphere. It was still a safe atmosphere. Mm. Just far more people than, well, I wouldn't say far more. I mean, a, a, few, a few thousand more unofficially. Mm. And there was a, a, I wouldn't say confidence, actually. I was going to say there was a confidence, but that's not true. People were there to have a good time whether the team won or lost. Mm-hmm. But for those of us who've been following it closely for a while, there was still a level of concern, still a level of anxiety. You know, you take nothing for granted. I mean, you know, I would have had a good time nonetheless, mm-hmm. a better time if the team won, so thankfully they did. Mm. Now, at 6-4 down, it looked like they might not win. It was into the second half. You were 6-4 down. The errors were starting to rear their heads. Were you having flashbacks to last year's Million Pound Game, or did you have faith all the way through? Oh, no. No, you were right with the first one. I was having a lot of flashbacks from the previous year. I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking, you know, 
fair play. The refs making good calls. The defensive play by Featherston was incredible. Mm. This was a team that was out to win this. They were a team highly, highly motivated, playing fantastic rugby league, really impressed. But from my perspective as a Toronto supporter, it, it was very, very worrying because I wasn't seeing the guys make headway. We were down near their uh, try line numerous occasions in the first half and could not push it in. Yeah, I was uh, I was having a lot of flashbacks to uh, last season. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, the Wolfpack got the job done. What was the atmosphere like at the end of the game because you've really built a community of fans and friends there what were celebrations like a heck of a lot of hugging high-fiving people that i've only known through the sport so happy some of them in tears not not a lot of them personally i thought i would be more you know euphoric or more ecstatic Mm. i was just more relieved Mm -hmm. my my anxiety of the past two weeks had finally dropped down to a manageable level after the end of the game (laughs) yeah but for the most part everybody was happy even the fed supporters now i know they weren't happy that their team lost but in the beer garden afterwards and socializing with them they were congratulatory they were positive they had a good time as well we welcomed them and we said you know your team really did deserve to go up as well it's a shame it only could be one team and they were accepting of that you know we're not ever going to make fun of anybody because you have to be uh, humble when you win and gracious when you lose mm. now you also met the Feb supporters at half time not just after the game at half time you were playing on the field with your masters team against a series of Fev quote unquote masters as well and it was a weird scene wasn't it because there you were on the field next to a cross dressing Tina Turner impersonator doing yep. uh, simply the best rendition from the 1993 uh, New South Wales Rugby League Grand Final what was that like? I can't say that I've ever had anything in in my realm of experience like this before. The match against the Fed supporters, we weren't sure at first if there was going to be any because the call was made out into the crowd, hey, if any Fed supporters would like to come onto the pitch and play a game of touch against my team of masters, you know, about nine to 12 of us, then come on down. We didn't see anybody at first, so we went on and we were just going to split into two teams and, and play against each other. And then after about two minutes, the Fed supporters came. And so that was great. We, you know, shook hands and we separated uh, into the two halves and we went at it. And I'm not sure if the Fev guys were told that it was touch <laughs> because they started tackling my team immediately. So we looked at each other and we're like, okay, that's how they want to play. That's that's what we'll do. It was still good natured. I mean, you, you can't help but have a good nature when one of your opponents is wearing a Spider-Man mask. <laughs> And we, you know, afterwards I spoke to some of them and I, you know, I said, hey, great game. I really think you damaged my ribs, but it was worth it. And the other guy said, I think you dislocated my hip. Good game. So, uh... We had a blast. I'd do it all over again, too. <laughs> Fantastic. That is rugby league to a T. Now, Nicholas, finally, we, I've run out of time, but I wanted to ask, what do you think this victory will do for the sport in Toronto? doing things. We had the mayor of Toronto there at the match and he's on the dais handing out the medals and he said he's going to promote the Wolfpack. He's going to talk about them when he goes all over the place. We've had the national newspapers and television news and sports news here already talking about it. We've had the other pro teams congratulating the Wolfpack and talking about it. It's incredible how much media coverage this has managed to get. Mm. And then it's also a motivational thing as I was mentioning earlier that now I can go to the kids and say in only three, well, four years, this team has gone from just starting to the top league through effort, through hard work. Despite the fact that it seems logistically on the surface to be a problem, people have said, okay, how can we deal with this? How can we How can we make this work? What can we do to make things improve? And they've managed to do it. So it's a, a fantastic motivator now. I'm hoping that, well, within this next year, that we manage to get at least one more junior club set up. We've already got two going over here, the Georgina Griffins and the Haldeman Wolfpack. And uh, just about two weeks ago, we had a meeting about a, about a dozen of us sat down and we decided let's start up a Masters League here and get some teams going and that's in the works as well Fabulous. I think this will drive interest and people will see and say I, I'd like to take part in that there you go that's great I mean a lot of people have wondered what the grassroots scene would be like in Toronto and you and others are, are doing a great job in building that so that is great to hear Look, Nicholas, thank you very much for your time today and for your generous support through the year. Congratulations to you, 
and your Wolfpack family. Enjoy the off-season, revel in it, and hopefully we'll talk to you again in 2020. Thanks very much, and if you're ever up my way, we'll, we'll make room for you to stay with us. Progressive Rugby League. Thanks, Nicholas. Great to get your experience from the game. What What do you think happens if the Wolfpack spend the next season kind of bottom of the ladder? Do you think that kind of takes all the juice out of the uh, the push, or is it just a case of we're here? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Slug, because. Obviously, Toronto Wolfpack fans are just used to winning and dominating. So it'll be interesting to see when they reach their first form slump, which will inevitably happen during a Super League season. But I really think they're going to be okay in terms of the quality of the team they're going to put together. So I reckon they'll be travelling amongst at least mid-table mediocrity. How is Toronto going to work when it comes to those classic loop fixtures? Wow. (laughs) Have we discussed that? Well, we still have to work out what a loop fixture is. I mean, until then, we don't really know. You worked out... Whether it was Ian of East Leeds or Ian East of Leeds, you can work out what a loop fixture is, guys. I believe in you. All right, we've got all off-season. And also, I wanted to say, before we finish up on this game, to the Toronto Wolfpack fans, don't worry about the naysayers. It probably seems like there's plenty in the UK, but really, it's a minority. And it's a natural reaction of many to change. I mean, many wanted the Warriors and the Storm out of the competition earlier in their existences Mm. but they kept showing their worth in their own way and now no one thinks that yeah it's a process okay that ladies and gentlemen is a massive achievement for the Toronto Wolfpack we're very excited let's talk about another massive game that happened over the weekend it's known as the National Rugby League Grand Final between the Raiders and the Roosters I want to go to you first Slug what did you think it was an interesting game I'm confused about what where the point was that the Roosters stopped dominating and the Raiders started dominating mm. you know what I mean because I, I couldn't identify anything in particular but it just seemed like one moment the Roosters were on top and then the next they weren't and I, I don't know what it was what yeah. was it well you're a former player what happens in those situations where you know, everything's going your way. It looks like you might run away with it at 8-0. It looks kind of like that. What can happen? What can change? I, I guess if you've put in 10 minutes of really hard graft and you're up, you can start thinking, we got this, mm. maybe. Yeah. And just ease off. And maybe maybe it just took 10 minutes for Canberra's heart to kick in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the heart. They hadn't played a grand final. Well, I don't think anyone in that team, maybe there was one grand final appearance between the whole squad. What were your thoughts on the game, Big? Oh, I loved it. It was an amazing game. So I was I went to the game. Oh. Um, so I experienced the whole. You know, the atmosphere was was electric. You know, eighty five thousand rugby league fans. It doesn't matter if you weren't. They weren't like rusted on fans or they're neutrals. Everyone was a rugby league fan yeah. on Sunday night at the stadium. It was all Raiders. There was the pocket of, of Roosters fans up the, up on their the Roosters Bay end. Mm. And again, there was the the official Raiders fans on the opposite end of the of the stadium. But the one dominant color amongst everyone was was green. Yeah. Everyone was wearing some sort of shade of, shade of green. And the commentators kept trying to talk up how many Roosters fans were there. I mean, no. like, oh, I don't want to say, you know, you know, I love to kick the Roosters, which, is, which I should not. I shouldn't <laughs> want to kick anybody. There were a lot of Roosters fans there. there. I'm not going to say there were no fans there. There definitely were. But the Raiders fans were, were louder... And I think, like, I, w- I was, I'm a neutral, right? I don't, I don't support either of these teams. I decked out in Raiders gear for this one. I was like, yeah. I was, you know, green face paint. Uh-huh. Ra- I've got a, a retro Raiders T-shirt that I just keep for emergencies. Would you? So I broke the glass. Is it would you? And I chucked it on. No, no, it's just, it's just got <laughs> the old, the old Viking logo on it. Right. Nice. Yeah, I had, had honestly, I had green face paint on. I was, I was into it because I just right. wanted to soak up the atmosphere. The Viking clap. Yeah, it was amazing. It was it, how'd that resonate around ANZ Stadium? It bellowed, shook the foundations, and it's like the Viking clap's interesting, right? Because it's a great pre-game thing to do. But I felt the Raiders fans fell back on it during the game as like their way to get the, the oh, team right. pumped up, and it doesn't it doesn't provide because it's like a slow build it's too up, it's slow, a slow crescendo. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like so the Roosters have that damn wonderful in-game chant of East, East, or whatever it is, Pretty and cool. that's a really really good chant. Like it's got it's it's short, it's rhythmic, it's pumping. It came across well on TV too. Yeah, and then the Raiders fans would try to counteract with this really slow (laughs) clap. And without a drum or a horn or anything, yeah. like it didn't, it didn't quite work that way. Yeah. I think you just got to go back to Cam, bro. Clack, yeah, clack, exactly. Clack. They, should, they should 
go back to history and you know come up with a chant that encapsulates running through northern English towns, burning houses, and stealing. But yeah, no, it was sorry. That that's about what happened around the game mm. on on field. To be honest, I haven't. I only watched it live. I haven't watched any replays or highlights. Mm. Like I, I know about the what are the crucial moments, but you know I couldn't really tell. It's hard. It's hard to Stadium. Tell. You're about a kilometer away from the action anyway. I <laughs> yeah. couldn't really tell what was going on, but I really enjoy, like. I love the tension. It was yeah, fun yeah. to watch. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, for me, it was a tough physical match. Not as much open footy as I would have liked, but you definitely couldn't look away. I think either team would have been deserving winners. Mm. So the Roosters are. Mm. And the Raiders, I think, can maybe count themselves a bit unlucky, but it's not like they didn't have their chances. They actually dominated, like you said, Slug, for a lot of the game. The double Falcon was unlucky for Canberra. Hilarious, but unlucky early in the game. Sorry, why does a trainer need to be on the field yeah. at the three-minute mark? Who was so thirsty at the three-minute mark? Conspiracy theorists would tell you that was a part of Robinson's game. Uh, get the trainer out there and get in the way of that ball. Is it Who's got the Is biggest head? Get him out there. The six again call, unlucky, I suppose, but not as outrageous as many were making out after the game. I mean, the reaction to that refereeing decision, it was really the perfect storm that created this kind of semi-hysterical reaction. One, there was the Raiders' underdog story that everyone wanted to buy into. Two, everyone is tired of the Roosters always being so good. Three, there's a large subsection of the community who are always partial to a bit of ref bashing. So you put that together in a blender and bam! There was a massive reaction. I mean, yes, it was very unfortunate that Ben Cummins initially called six again, but he, he corrected it. It was actually, it was the last tackle. The correction was made, I think, before Jack White and even got the ball. And okay, he might not have heard the correction or seen the correction, but it's a big call for people to say that he would have scored on that last play. And they hadn't scored all half despite having the ball. For so I thought this half. was a two refs problem. The, the yeah. same ref corrected himself. Is that what you're saying? Well, he made the six again call, and the other ref said, "Are you sure?" And then he's oh, like, "Oh goodness!" And then oh, he changed okay. his decision. So what do you it wasn't think about idea. it? I mean, it's unfortunate that the incorrect call was made and then corrected because it mm. creates this, you know, this "what if" it's confusion or whatever. Yeah. But if you play the scenario through, okay, let's say he didn't correct it and the, the Raiders score yeah. on replay it would have been shown that it shouldn't have been six again, and the Raiders yeah. then got a try that they shouldn't have. So, it, and I think the fact the Roosters went 100 meters, I think on the next set to score the match-winning try, essentially, exacerbated the whole thing. If they scored a couple of sets later, five minutes later, different story. Not as hysterical a reaction. Look, the game itself, to me, when it comes to big games like this, Slug and Big Al, Grand Final, State of Origins, I'm always interested in how the game looks and feels for the casual fan. Mm. Yes, we rugby league fans are engaged no matter what, but if you go by the viewing figures for these games compared to regular games, about 60 or 70% of the viewing audience around the world would be considered casual fans. So for mm-hmm. me, it's really important that it engages them. Yep. And lucky me, I actually watched the match with three casual fans of the game. And for them, it was the closeness of the game that was the thread, obviously. The second half was full of drama. You had no idea who would win. They were totally into it. The first half, not so much. But towards the end of that half, you, you knew the Raiders were going to make a real game of it. Mm-hmm. So you knew the casual fan would be locked in for that full 80, which, which is what you want. The atmosphere also helped. It really came across well on TV. Now, one thing that didn't help the casual fan at times was the TV commentary. Mm. It's not something I like to delve into normally, but there are a few calls, including the Cooper Cronk sin binning, that the commentators clearly didn't like. And that's, that's fine. But the issue is, they knew those calls were consistent with the interpretations all year, but were carrying on as if they were the wrong calls. Now, most of the calls were right or consistent with current interpretations. So I'm sitting there with my casual viewing party and they're asking me, why did the refs get it wrong? And I'm saying, well, they, they didn't really. Yeah. And, well, why are they saying they got it wrong? Because they don't like the rule. So it was very confusing, and it's a shame because I can see all these casual fans watching the game and listening to the commentary and taking it for what they said it was rather than what it actually was. The commentators were saying that they were the wrong calls, but most of them were right. They just don't like the rules as they are at the moment. So there would have been people, casual fans, thinking, well, this game is a bit of a joke. These refs can't get anything right. When the truth was, they were getting most of it right. The ref's job is to adjudicate to the rules, not to what the commentators want. Yeah. So that was a bit of a shame for me. I think Gus Gould has three things every game he feels he needs to be outraged by. He was only up to two. He was only up to two, and he goes, what if nothing else happens by the end of the game? Yeah. So, but, like, come on. Mm, I know a lot of people bag out the Channel 9 commentary team. I think they're pretty good. I mean, sometimes familiarity breeds contempt, and Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of the reason why people are over that commentary team. But I think also, in this case, they misread the situation. This is a grand final. There's so many casual viewers. Don't 
confuse them. Call it as it is, but don't try to, to shade things with what you want. It's mm. not the time to make those arguments, in my opinion. Now, it's fair to say, I would think Gus Gould, one of the, the game's great minds, I would think. But I think this year, he may have stepped into shock shock territory. Yeah. Any more thoughts on the grand final? It was a it was a great event. That's all I can say. It was it was so much fun. There were so many people there. And I've actually spoken about, you know, after our European tour, mm. I said one thing that Australian rugby league doesn't do well is post game. Mm. Like it's basically about ten minutes before the end of the thing, everything is closed, yep. go away, this yep. thing's over, go home, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. But I think and this is probably just out due, due to necessity of, of the volume of people rather than pure design, but all the outdoor bars stayed open well after the game. Yeah. I think because you've got to wait for all these people to clear yeah. the area. So it was fun just to hang around with cool. fans of both teams yeah. just having a good time. It was yeah. it was really good. So the Raiders fans weren't too filthy to hang around? and No, and actually, I mean, like, well, I, I don't know if we're going to do Reflections this episode, but I, I did have some sort of a, an epiphany. Well, we are going to do Reflections. Actually, right. we're throwing the structure away because mm. we like to chuck it around here at Professor mm. League. <laughs> we're doing Reflections last. All right. Oh, wow. So that, there is still a structure to it, though, because it's happening last. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, all right. So we're throwing, away. We're we're throwing okay. away and it's flipping over. That's right. And then land. Well, we're 180ing the structure. Okay. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Look, for me, let's not forget also that the match winning try was a ripper. It was like a 70 meter try, including a great flick pass from Latrell. It, it, it was a, a real heartbreaker. Like, for a, if you're a Raiders fan, that yeah. you've been dominating and just pushing and pushing and pushing for so long, and then just like that. Yep. One missed tackle, line yeah. break, pass, try. Uh, if I were a Raiders fan, I would be less annoyed about the six again call mm. than the Joey Leilua. Ooh, yeah. <sighs> just pass it, mate. <laughs> M- trying to hit the line and flick pass instead of just a straightforward pass. Yep. That, would, that would, personally, if I were a Raiders fan, that would make me angrier than a dodgy call. And then, of course, seeing Latrell Mitchell doing a flick pass yeah. much better <laughs> and scoring the, uh, the winning try through James Tedesco. That would have hurt. Okay, well done, the Roosters. You've done it again. Not many people like it, it seems, but you've done it again. And of course, NRLW Grand Final, Brisbane getting over the top of the Dragons. It was over pretty early on, it felt. The Dragons could barely get their hands on the ball. What do yeah. you think, Big? You were there? This was really weird because I think everyone, the vibe was that the Dragons, it took them a couple of games to warm up, but now they're on. You saw what happened in their last round against the Roosters. Yeah, mm. The Dragons are probably going to do a pretty good job here. And the, the Broncos just ate them for breakfast. It was, I, th- I, think, yeah. I think one of the unestimated elements of play in the NRLW is size. Because yeah. I think the Broncos team just managed to just push their way through the Dragons quite quickly. A lot of their tries were sort of yeah. barging. just well, barging across. And one, I think, 100% my takeaway of that yeah. too. You're just the roll-on that the size of the Broncos yeah. forwards gave. Dragons couldn't get any grip. Yeah, no grip on the game. So that's a two in a row for the Brisbane Broncos. So they are. Yeah, and so we can actually say. So I, I, I'm stealing this from somebody I saw on Twitter. Yeah. Everyone's going on and on about the Roosters, first people to go back to back champions in unified competition. It was the Broncos women's team who did it first. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, said. by a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Still did it first. That's right. In a united fourteen. <laughs> yes. Competition. Okay, let's hit the mailbag and slug. We're going to use your tune this week. Oh, thanks. <laughs> People have questions. People have thoughts. They write into us. We try to answer them. PRL mailbag. It's the PRL mailbag. About an excellent grand final week article on the Fox Sports website by George Clark who I think is a sometime listener to the show. Now, I'm calling this article Article of NRL Grand Final Week as it takes us through the making of Trent Robinson and particularly the role Toulouse Olympique played in shaping perhaps the best coach in the game. So great read, George, and thanks, Frollins and Laurent. Laurent also pointed out that Trent Robinson played for Toulouse Olympique during the Spaces era. Remember the, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, Laurent told us about the Spaces period for Toulouse. Yes. Trent Robinson... From spacer to NRL coaching legend. Ian East from Leeds, or Ian from East Leeds, he also got in touch, suggesting Ian Watson deserves to be mentioned in PRL Coach of the Year conversations after leading Salford, who we'll talk about shortly, and Tui Lolahia to an incredible and unlikely grand final appearance. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, I gave Danny Ward our Coach of the Year award back in June, which in hindsight was potentially premature. Mm. But I stand by it, of course. But yes, fantastic achievement by Ian Watson and Salford, and Tui. 
a heartwarming story, and we'll get to that shortly. So, you know, a quick mailbag this week, but we've got so much to get through. But I did want to say thank you to all the people who got in touch with us over the last nine months, really. And it is a massive part of our show. You create plenty of content and plenty of talking points, and it's one of the highlights every week when we hear from you. So thank you, and looking forward to chatting again in 2020. We love you. you. So... Sly, it's so great to have you back, and your baritone particularly, because we're about to do, I think, everyone's favourite part of the show. And it goes something like this. Slug the gal and me, we like what we see, when it comes to French-Canadian rugby fans. That's what we've been missing this whole time. <laughs> I knew it was something. The, the sweet, sweet, soothing baritone of the slug. Just How did that feel? Edit it in. It's, How did that feel? Look, we've already spoken at the top of the show about Toronto Wolfpack and what a brilliant result that was for the game. But of course, it's been a tough week for our other PRL sweet baby and probably, well, our favourite club, Toulouse-Limpique, after their loss last weekend to Featherston. Now, after a great regular season finishing second, they then dominated their first semi against York and earned a match-up against Toronto for a spot in the grand final. But that was as good as it got, unfortunately. They finished their season with a couple of heavy losses and the chance for promotion slipped away. But even so, it was another great season for Toulouse-Limpique, so I really wanted to get in touch with Toulouse Olympic coach Sylvain Houlet. I want to congratulate him on the season and see how he was doing after a tough end to 2019. And Sylvain, being the kind of guy he is, despite it being a tough week, and despite it being probably the last thing he wanted to do, he was, uh, he was good enough to take the time to speak to me and reflect on the last couple of weeks, the season, and the future. Now, I have to apologise for the poor sound quality of this chat. It's hard to get a good line between Sydney and Humicus, but stick with it because Sylvain gave a really honest assessment of the end of Toulouse Olympics season, as well as where he is at personally. So here it is. Progressive Rugby League. Okay, John O'Duncan here, wearing his Toulouse Olympic heritage jersey and cap and sipping H2O from his Toulouse Olympic Keep Cup. Why? Well, it's because I'm talking to the Progressive Rugby League's favourite modern-day coach and one of the best coaches in rugby league, period, Toulouse Olympic's Sylvain Houlet. G'day, Sylvain. Thanks so much for joining us. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, you're joining us from your farm in Humigus. Now, my first question is, has my pronunciation of Humigus improved over the last few months, and how's the farm treating you? That's good news. Now, on a serious note, Sylvain, it's been a few days since Toulouse Olympics season came to an end. How are you currently feeling about the way you went out last weekend? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm very disappointed. You know, you know I've been living really down to the last game on Sunday. You know, yeah, like, I'm so happy with how we went out. You know, because uh, we achieved some good stuff. You know, finishing second in the national championship was a, a great achievement. Fair enough. Now, Sylvain, do you think the the team's belief that you could gain promotion suffered after that Toronto loss, especially considering all the travel that you would have had to do to get another crack at them? Um, yeah, I think I think you know it, it was a tough game going there. We knew that doing it that way, we needed to go out there and beat them. I would have like 10, 12 days to recover from the trip, and to be fair, like we were far from that. You know, like, to to uh, Have you had time to reflect on the season as a whole? Like how would you rate 
say pretty much every single week on this show we we absolutely love the way to lose olympic plays rugby league but of course when you lose it's a bit of sweet opportunity to to learn so what adjustments if any do you think you have to make to take that next step in 2020 look to the future a bit Sylvan so you're losing a couple of players this year including Tyler Heppy to Castleford will you be active in the player market in the off season have you signed any players for next year What's the latest with the, the home ground situation for 2020? Are you guys leaving Blagnac, is that right? Sylvan, by the time this podcast gets released, your good friend Trent Robinson will have experienced another grand final with the Roosters. Now, I know you're you're an extremely humble man, but how much credit should Toulouse Olympique take for the Roosters' brilliant season after that joint training session you guys held before the World Club Challenge in February? <laughs> oh, man, uh, he, was, he was more the opposite way, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was, he was one of those things that we pulled together on just one pod call and we were looking at that Fair enough. 
Okay, Sylvain, we're, we're out of time, but before we say our goodbyes, can you give us an idea of how you intend to spend your off-season? Are you going to travel around or are you just going to do the hard yakker on the farm? What's the plan? Well, we said, you know, next week I'm going like, to the city I'm going to be bored, so oh. I'm going to be uh, slamming season for me, you know, so uh, I'm going to be back in the shed, walking with my brother, and of course, that's why, that's why I need to, you know, like, it'll be refreshing, you know, a little bit of thinking to do about um, future, about fully, about things like that, you know, like uh, for me it's a little bit early after, after losing, I'm not good at losing, especially yeah. as I have season, you know, so this time will be in the shed will be good for me, like in, in, in my kids, you know, and me and my wife, so, but yeah, there will be a choice that you'll trip away for me. Okay. Okay, Sylvain. Well, thanks again for being so generous with your time. I know it's a, a been a tough week for you, but congratulations on an excellent season and thanks for coaching a team to play rugby league the way it should be played. I know you're reconsidering things, but really we absolutely love watching Toulouse Olympic play. So thank you and congratulations on an excellent season. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Okay. Aggressive rugby league. So there was the chat, and thanks again. Enormous thanks to Sylvain for taking the time. He took the loss hard, as you can imagine, but it was great to get his insights. A genuinely good guy of rugby league. Good luck with the lambing season, Sylvain, mm-hmm. and hope to see you back better than ever in 2020. What else happened in the world of international rugby league? Big. Yeah, well, the old uh, French-Canadian rugby league update takes a, a bit of a different shape because all, all the sweet babies have been put to bed, essentially. Mm-hmm. They've all been tucked up. Yeah, they've all been um, swaddled. They've all been swaddled beautifully. The the lullabies are playing, and they're all restfully asleep. Yeah, I've never heard okay. the word swaddled until swaddled. just then. It's a baby thing, isn't it? Yeah, you swaddle a baby. They've been burped sufficiently. Oh, ah, yeah. cool. There you go. So it's Betty buys and nine eyes for all of them. So just going around the world of rugby league, we had the MEA Championship over the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, where Nigeria have defeated Morocco in the final, so thirty-eight to ten, mm. and Ghana took third place in that as well. So and well course, done to the growing sport of rugby league in Nigeria. And of course, we had Ade. Adebisi on the show mm. earlier this year telling us all about that. So great to see it all come come through. Yeah. Well, elsewhere, <laughs> I, I noticed the French women's team beat Turkey 54-0, which is fantastic. I also saw on the Twitters through the Chasing Kangaroos Twitter page that there were 4,000 people at a Turkish domestic game of rugby league. Excellent. That's epic. Isn't that epic? That's like Thursday night Brookvale Oval stuff. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Elsewhere, we spoke about promotion from the championship to Super League. There was also a promotion battle in League One to get to the championship between Newcastle, Newcastle and Oldham. And uh, Oldham beat Newcastle to make the championship, joining Whitehaven in the championships next year. Good for them. Elsewhere, English Super League semi-finals for the women, Leeds Rhinos beat St. Helens and Castleford beat Wigan so it's a replay of the Challenge Cup final Mm. from early in the year it's going to be a ding dong battle and it's like we said a couple of weeks ago it's going to be on Sky live on Sky Sports so that is fantastic elsewhere the Australian and English Rugby League World Cup 9 squads have been announced I'm not sure if you saw these but the Australian team looks pretty strong you've got players like Kalen Ponga Ryan Pappenhausen Tyson Frizzell, etc., etc. England, led by James Graham and Gareth Widdop. I find James Graham an interesting choice for an, a nines team. I think mm. as, a, as a captain, excellent choice. Mm. I just have I've assumed that a nines team should be nimble rather than big. Yeah, he's, he he's sees himself more... as a halfback. Yeah, though, so. <laughs> he creates a lot. And also the French team named their squad during the weekend. To be honest, it's a bit disappointing, really, as it's essentially a second string team at best. Oh. If they were able to field their best possible squad, they'd actually be quite competitive. Is there something getting in the way of them fielding their best possible squad? Well, I mean, apparently there's a whole bunch of players unavailable for whatever reason from the Dragons. Uh, there's a few injured players from Toulouse Olympique as well. But if you had players like Gigo, Theo Farge, Fouad Yaha, Stan Robin, that would be a pretty good team. But mm. like I say, for various reasons, injury, general unavailability, uh, not to be. Hopefully they can surprise a few. So Sylvain mentioned... Mathieu Dressouim as someone to watch. While Laurent Gagné said to look out for Toronto Wolfpack's Hakim Maloudi, who, as Laurent pointed out to us, has some immense dance moves, as he showed <laughs> in the sheds. Now, of course, international season is about to kick in, Big Al. Yes. Uh, so the highlights clearly will be the Rugby League World Cup 9s, which you'll be at, the Lions Tour of the Pacific, 
which is going to be very exciting. And of course, the Rugby League World Cup qualifiers coming up. So I think we'll finalise sooner or later over the next month or two who's going to be in that tournament in 2021. So, you know, that's going to be our focus over the next few weeks. Yeah. Can't wait. But I did want to speak quickly about the English Super League and the romantic story of the Salford Red Devils who, who have won their way to the Super League Grand Final against St. Helens. Now, Salford beat Wigan 28-4 in the preliminary final. Now, this like the Raiders in the NRL, has captured imaginations of the rugby league world. It goes to show, like we said last week when talking about the Raiders, that you don't need the biggest teams necessarily in the grand final to give the end of season that extra bit Mm. of momentum. You just need a great story, and this Salford story is fabulous. Salford, a few years ago, they were two minutes away from relegation in the million-pound game before scoring an almost unfathomable, unfathomable two tries in the final two minutes to survive. Last year, they were travelling terribly, heading into the Super 8s, and then signed a guy called Jackson Hastings. They subsequently cruised through the Super 8s, and this year have been revelatory, building ideally through their season and peaking at the perfect time. In many ways, they're a good old-fashioned band of misfits who have come together, believed in each other, and now they have some real momentum, and really, it's no exaggeration to say they've got the rugby league well behind them. Did Jackson Hastings just get named Man of Steel? He did. So a fabulous season for him. Courtney Hill, Woman of Steel for the Leeds Rhinos. Mm. So what, what an a- amazing redemption story. Because Jackson Hastings was, a year and a half ago, he was Fair. bundled out the back of Manly for reasons unknown. Mm. For being difficult. or that, yeah, That's all much. it was. He's tough to get along with. And then he's gone over to England and not just resurrected his career, but resurrected his, I don't know, his personality. Like, so yeah. not, personality's not the right thing, but he's left Australia with not much goodwill from the public. And he's just embraced the community and yeah. he's like I see him on Twitter he's really positive like mm. he deliberately goes out of his way to engage fans and mm. he really cares about the clubs that he's playing for he's really he's really turned it around like congratulations well done progressiveness can find everybody right yeah. <laughs> yes so good on him and you know he's led that Salford team really from the cellar all the way to the grand final so can they do it so that is another great season of French Canadian slash international rugby league updates Big Al you've been immense thank you very much now like I said earlier, we're going to do our reflections because we're, we're chucking it around. Yep. We're chip kicking. We're grubbering behind the line. We're flick passing. We're doing tunnel balls. We're stepping. We're jinxing. We're goose stepping. You know, that's Mousetrap. Mousetrap. The wedge. <laughs> the wedge. <laughs> the flying eagle, if that's a thing. So, Slug, do you have a reflection for us? Yes. Despite the fact that Big Al keeps stealing my How Goods Rugby League. <laughs> Obviously, the, the story of the Raiders underdogs against the glitzy favourite Roos. Mm. Is, it's a you know story people like and people mm. get behind you know but it's been done a lot yeah you know I, I actually have a slight twinge of disappointment that the storm weren't in the grand final yeah and there are two reasons for that number one I didn't get to hear Rab say Pjappenhausen <laughs> and number two just the intrigue around Cam Smith mm. is he retiring is he not yeah. how long is he going to bloody wait before he makes his mind up. Do the administrators at the Storm have to sit there next to their kind of checkbooks and calculators and kind of yeah. drum their fingers on the table and before they know what they have to do next year yeah. with money and, and spending and all that sort of thing? So, I don't know. I just find Cam Smith intriguing. Yeah. And I find the fact that he seems like he's making out like he doesn't want to make a big show of things. Yeah. But the fact that 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 itself is kind of so weird and out of the ordinary, it has the opposite effect, I find. Yeah, I think we're all a bit needy. And I think Cam Smith, he says he doesn't care what people think, but I think he is a bit upset by the way he's been treated, really, especially by Sydney fans. It's a bit unfair, to be honest. Yeah, I really find the the, the massive public hate almost mm. that a loud section of fans, maybe that's all of them in Sydney, I don't know, have for Cameron Smith quite puzzling because Mm. he's... Like, like it or not, he's an amazing player. Maybe if he played for another team, maybe if he didn't play for Melbourne, like if he was in yeah. any other team, maybe like they, he'd get he'd be less hated. But yeah. I don't know what it is. Like people get annoyed because he you know, rubbish in the face of all the stuff that he, that he does and, and like manipulating referees or whatever. But he's just not alone there. Like he's exactly he's not the only one doing that. He's he's obviously just maybe doing it better or with more class than anybody else. So he gets I don't know what it is, but he's he's an he's an amazing player. Look at his mm. playing record. Do, do you find it? I don't want to say attention seeking, but do you find it kind of out of the ordinary? I guess that he's he keeps doing this stuff of he pulls out on the eve of the Origin series, mm. leaving Queensland going oh. God, we've got to come up with new plans. Grand final week, he said, oh, maybe I'll play on, maybe I won't. And now his whole team at Melbourne have got to kind of 
sit on there. You think he, he wants people to come up and say, oh, Cam, have we told you how much we love you? Is he a bit, but bit I, like... I'm surprised he would need that, yeah. but I don't know why else he would do these things. Well, maybe it just comes back to the fact that he feels a bit insecure about all the, the bile. <laughs> yeah, the booing. Yeah, it's like, it's, be, yeah. be, like, regardless of how successful you are, 20,000 people are booing at you. That feels bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, hey... Now, Slug, I actually agree. I think we spoke about it last week. A Melbourne-Canberra matchup would have been slightly more attractive than a Roosters-Raiders matchup. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I mean, the Roosters-Raiders was a a great game, but it was a bit random. It's a bit of a random (laughs) matchup, Roosters and Raiders. And I think we saw in the TV ratings, it was the lowest rating grand final in over 20 years. So, you know, they're two teams that don't... Now, is that Metro only, or is this... Uh, I think it's all together, but definitely Metro. And I think that maybe they don't have the biggest supporter bases. Obviously, when Melbourne is in the grand final, they have a boost in their audience. When when there's a Queensland team, there's a boost in the Brisbane and Queensland audience as well. So, yeah, that's the way it is. Sometimes you get big drawing teams, sometimes you don't. Big Al, what's your reflection, sir? So I, t- I told you guys I went to the grand final. You've mentioned that. So I was there. I had a, actually had a really great time. I, this is a not reflection related. I sat next to this huge Raiders fan. As in like large man or just... No, no. She, she, she was just a big... She was a, oh, okay. an enthusiastic fan. Right. Like yeah, she yeah. was really animated. She was making insightful insightful commentary, I suppose. Like yelling a lot in a good way. Yeah, incisive. Um, she also had a bit of face paint on. And she nice. had a couple of kids with her. She was from New Zealand. But she was incredibly fair with her pro Raiders commentary like mm. she was always come on Raiders make it her big thing was make it you know make sure she'd say every time they got the ball she'd come on make sure make sure mm. and it took me about half an hour to re- realise she was saying make sure and not Mitchell oh yeah oh, who's <laughs> Mitchell Felia oh right make sure but she would uh, acknowledge a good tackle like from the ruse she'd be like oh Good tackle. Yeah, good that's tackle. Good. I like that. She there was no uh, no bile thrown at the refs, yeah. no swearing or anything like that. Like, yeah. and she was she just made the game so much more fun. Like, there was everyone was yelling anyway. Like, the atmosphere was there. Yeah. But like, I got to enjoy it with her, just some random yeah. fan. Great. Anyway, but that's not where I first. Once everything was said and done, Raiders had lost. Yeah, Roosters had won again. Mm. Fanfare's going off. You know, everyone. The, the Raiders are sort of going over and thanking their teams. The Roosters are basking in the glory. Uh, Cooper Cronk's got that sly smile of a you know another another harder. God, isn't he? Guy. We all love him so much. We all love him so much. And then this, this sort of calm fell over me because I saw the Roosters fans like standing around clapping, going yeah, yeah, and the Raiders fans sort of standing around going, well, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Like no one was, no one was yelling, no one was crying. Like no one's life changed either way for either team. Everybody sort of carried on. Then I went to the bars outside, and there yeah. was Raiders fans standing around laughing and mucking around. There was yeah. Roosters fans. There was neutrals. There was me. We're all having a good time. Mm. And I sort of realised. Jeez, it's just a game, isn't it? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, and I don't, mean that, I don't mean to take away from that, but like, yeah. you know what? It's, it's great and it's wonderful mm. and it's, it does great things for communities and it changes people's lives mm. and it's an excellent thing. But, you know, the sun, the sun still rises. It's, it's, it's very easy for you to say when the Tigers haven't played for a month. But I think, no, you know, no, no, no. But I, I, was, I was thinking, like, because I, I mean, I was emotionally invested in that game. Nowhere near as much were the of Tigers course. playing, but I really, I really wanted the Raiders to win. Yeah. And when it didn't, I was like, you know, there were times when I, I could have been upset because things didn't seem to be going like the, my chosen team's way. Yeah. But at the end, you just sort of, it was just like this, this feeling of calm. And I, I think yeah, if, the, if the Tigers had lost, I, I saw the, the Raiders fan bay and most of them stuck around mm. and they just wanted to like congratulate their team. You guys have done a good job to get to the grand final. And whilst it's probably easy for me to say this as I'm not in the like emotionally frazzled state as I would be had I just witnessed the Tigers grand final, mm. I think that's what my attitude would be as well. I'd, yeah. You take away what you can and at the end of the day, it's just a game. Sounds like the Raiders fans were, by and large, very philosophical about the outcome. I mean, I'm, I think I'm projecting all of this onto them. <laughs> I think they were... Was, I, I met with that one lady who sat next to her. who was great. She was so much yeah. fun to watch the game with. Yeah. She was really animated too. Yeah. I think they were philosophical in the cold, sober light of the next morning. Not necessarily philosophical. <laughs> no, but like, what I mean, there was no, there was no outrage. Yeah, there was okay. no... Good. No one was spitting the dummy. Everyone was just... Meh. And there was no also... I mean, I'm only speaking about a very small section of the, the crowd that I had, that I was yeah. experienced the game with. But there was no host game in your faceness. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, sucked in. Yeah. Ra- hate us because you weren't us. You know, whatever. That didn't happen. It was just yeah. celebration and handshakes also, all around. Yeah, you know, lovely. That's a great reflection Thank to finish you. off Thank with. You very much. It's all part of the journey we've been on. So let me just get this straight. It's just a game. It's uh, it's just a game. Fabulous. Now my reflection this week is a short one. Cue the cheers. It's a short one. <laughs> I've realised this year in 2019. That your reflections are too long? <laughs> I've realised that for a while, but I can't stop. A reflection's quite like a human child, isn't it? <laughs> 
Uh, well, I've realised in 2019 how important rugby league is to me. I'm generally the type of guy who tries to keep an emotional distance from things, lest they get the better of me. And so with rugby league, I guess I try to play it cool and kind of kid myself that it's just something I like, like a pair of socks. I like socks, but that's about as far as the relationship goes. But this year, after meeting and talking to so many people who the game means so much to, especially on our Euro trip, have we mentioned we went on a European trip? (laughs) I've realised I can't kid myself that I'm a mere observer any longer. No, I'm one of them. No, let me rephrase. I'm one of you. No, I'm one of us. I know for many people, the headline... Rugby League podcast host declares his love of rugby league (laughs) is not the most groundbreaking. But what can I say? For me, it's a breakthrough and it's a weight off and it feels good. So there are three reflections. How good's rugby league? Uh, Rugby league's just a game and I love rugby league. (laughs) I would like to say now that the Prime Minister's kind of co-opted that phrase, I won't be be using it anymore. No, fair enough. Well said. So thank you guys. It's been another great year of reflecting. Mm. Well, why don't we finish off like we always do with a series of prog moms. I'm going to start with you, Big Al. So I'm just going to go through the wastebasket of last week's prog moms and pull out the crumpled piece of paper that you threw in there Mm. that says chip chase try smooth it out and put it right back on the table because the Newtown Jets have done the remarkable feat of replicating a a last minute win in the last five seconds of a game with a chip chase try to take out the uh, interstate championship I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that yeah for those that don't know this is the winner of the New South Wales Cup so the Canterbury Cup sorry which is the Compu New South Wales and the winner of the Queensland Cup playoff on grand final day in like a Super Bowl style Mm. Battle of the of the states and Newtown were losing, so we were down for the whole game. And then in the last tense, it had one last set of possession, and in the last ten seconds, chip chase try win the game on the buzzer. Unbelievable! Um, Two weeks in a row. Whoa! Chuck it around. You stole my prog mom, but I'm going <laughs> to recycle go. it. <laughs> I've got a couple of others up my sleeve. What about you, Slug? So I guess my prog mom would just simply be. How much I enjoyed the women's NRL Grand Final. Yeah, I was I was glued to it, and even though it was fairly one sided, like there, it was just dare I say slightly more enjoyable to watch no, some, okay. than yeah. some of the NRL games sometimes because less wrestle, less wrestle, much less, less yeah, grub work, less professionalism. Yep. in the sense that doing little tricks to try and one up, yeah, yep. all that sort of stuff. It was just crisp and clean yep. and flowing, and it was refreshing. That's what you want. Refreshing Rugby League. That could be a new podcast. Refreshing Rugby League. I love it. Now, Big Al, you did steal my prog mom, but I've got another chip chase and try prog mom. This is an amazing feat from Courtney Hill of the Leeds Rhinos in the English Super League semi-final. It was 14 all with, I don't know, a handful of minutes to go. A chip and chase from Courtney Hill and she puts over her teammate in the corner leads through to the grand final on the back of another chip and chase there's chip and chases (laughs) everywhere this is amazing thanks Ines from Leeds or Ian from East Leeds for pointing that out to us as well so another prog mom for me is the Koori knockout so every year it's a great fixture in the rugby league calendar a brilliant celebration of indigenous culture and rugby league and this year on the New South Wales central coast it's another example of the power of rugby league in bringing communities together it's a real modern day corroboree for our Indigenous community, and a real highlight of each year. I watched a bit of it this afternoon, and it was fabulous rugby league. And this year it was won by Wellington, the Wellington Wedgetails in the women's, and the South Coast Black Cockatoos in the men's. So Good stuff. fabulous rugby league, and another fabulous New South Wales Koori knockout. So there are prog moms. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us... Can I just interrupt you? Oh, go ahead, Johnny. What have you got for us? Well, I just, I'm not 100% sure if this is my last ever appearance on KRL. It may very well be. Oh, okay. Okay. And there's two two things I want to do. Number one is teach you how to use the fade out on the closing music. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I'll show you how to do that. (laughs) And secondly, I just wanted to uh, come and congratulate you guys on how great the podcast is. You put a lot of work into it. You put a lot of passion into it. And so I just wanted to come and say goodbye to the three people who may be interested that I'm here. <laughs> but also, yeah, just say, well done, fellas. Oh, thanks, well mate. Done. That's really nice of you. And I was going to actually write a little song oh. to play you guys at the end. but um, I've got a guitar here if you want. Yeah, I, well, I ran out of time okay. to kind of figure <laughs> it out, which is kind of, I oh, guess, a I... good indication of 
why I'm not doing the yeah. show anymore. As Big Al knows, I love any excuse to get the guitar out. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like David Brent on The Office. Yeah. Like, I'll just grab the guitar. Everyone sort of rolls their eyes. But anyway. But instead, I've written a poem. Uh, oh, so uh, if you'll indulge me for a minute, it's about our experience here as, as a, the PRL podcast. If you will. <clears throat> Way back in the mists of two years ago, three friends agreed that there might be a show. In looking at something not many had seen, the progressive side of Rugby 13. <laughs> Jono, Big Al and someone called Slug got bitten by the old podcasting bug. From there, the friends did quickly agree on the PRL pillars, one, two and three. <laughs> they spoke of League Near and they spoke of League Far, of Loop Fixtures, PDRL and Belgrade Red Star. <laughs> All the great things about this funny old game and the number of listeners meant no risk of fame. <laughs> the slug left to go and get a real gig, but that did not stop Jono and Al, comma, big. Reflections, prog moms, and sweet babies in strife, and the psychological study that is this tiger's life. <laughs> they found friends along the way, like-minded souls, to help navigate past the unprogressive shoals, taking rugby league to where we know it should be, in rugby league, we trust, and for God's sake, hold me! Oh, that is incredible. Thank you. Amazing. Wow. Well, Slug, if that is your <laughs> signing off, that is just an amazing way to do it. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. so much. It means a lot. You did, you know, like you yeah. said earlier, you pushed us the driving force out into the ether. So thank you so much. That's okay. And you, you, you picked it up and you ran. Yeah. yeah and there we go. We're running, and you know, you mentioned our listenership. We've um, we've grown our audience this year. I mean, we've gone from extremely niche to thoroughly niche which, <laughs> which I think is a great achievement and I think next step is niche okay. I really think we can get Hopefully niche can get next there. year so thanks like that was brilliant brought it to you now ladies and gentlemen that brings us to the end of the show and the end of our season we've had the best time this year and we've met some amazing human beings I want to thank everyone who has appeared on the show this year obviously Big Al you've been immense Lovely. thank you Slug we're eternally grateful to you and we've had some great guests who have been very generous with their time all the way back to January for our book club. So I just want to shout out to these people. Uh, we had Andrew Marmot, author of Their Finest Hour, James Oddy, author of True Professional, Stu McCarthy from the Newtown Jets, Ade Adebisi from Nigeria Rugby League, Lois Forsell from Leeds Rhinos, Nicholas Mew from Barrie, Ontario, Gav Willisey, author of No Helmets Required, Ian East from Leeds, or Ian from East Leeds, love ya, Steve Brady from Catalan Media, and of course, Laurent Garnier, from Brisbane via Perpignan, who helped us out on our trip to France. And there we spoke with some great people at Toulouse Olympique, including Thomas Sartarell, Adam Innes, John O'Ford, Mark Corella, Cedric Garcia, James Bell, Tyler Heppy, and of course, Sylvain Houlet. So, thank you to our guests, but more than anything, thanks to our wonderful and loyal, thoroughly niche listenership. You are a big part of our show. We wouldn't have one without you. Thanks for making it a memorable 2019. We can't wait to reacquaint ourselves with you early in 2020. So that's it from us. We're not ones for big theatrical goodbyes. So let's just sign off by saying thank you. Rugby League. Hold me. And catch you next year. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Rugby League Trust. How good is Rugby League? <laughs> How good is Rugby League? Oh, radio.